When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco. It's so great to be here with all of you. We have another great show for you this week. Joining me in just a moment will be Renee Heath. And Renee is an inventor, she is an entrepreneur, and she's also a presentation coach with Accenture. Um, One of the most exciting things I would say for Renee's professional journey is landing a deal on Shark Tank with two sharks. So we're going to be talking about that later in the show. Um, Also coming up at the end will be Sherry Morrison, our Lifestyle Watch contributor, and she'll be joined by Meredith Klein. Meredith is the founder and director of the Philadelphia Argentine Tango School. So that's going to be a really fun segment. So now I'm very thrilled and honored to welcome to the show Renee Heath. Renee, thanks so much for being here. So it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And congratulations right off the top for being a new mom. Uh, I want our viewers and listeners to know you just had a baby boy a month ago, so we're very impressed that you're here. <laughs> it's it's been an absolute joy, um, you know, sleep deprived, but I'm, I I'm bet. over the moon and in love. Oh, I bet, I bet. Um, listen, I wanted to start off the show um, talking a little bit about your upbringing and your family, and the first question I had for you was, why the move to Mexico? It's one of my favorite stories I tell. My mom and dad um, naturally got pregnant with triplets. And so that meant my family had seven kids at the time. And New Jersey was quite expensive. Um, My dad heard that there was a new and up and coming place called Cancun. And he literally sold everything the family had, bought a, a pickup truck and a sailboat, packed enough diapers and peanut butter and jelly for a year and drove 
through the United States, all through Mexico, and set up shop in the hope of a better life for their family. Wow. That is a big, bold move from New Jersey to Cancun. My mom is like, if you do anything like that, <laughs> she's like, I kill you. But, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, my dad was a risk taker and they tried something different. And how old were you at the time? So I wasn't born yet. And so that's you what actually, born. yeah, that's why I was that's born. Right. You're the mom. baby. You're mm-hmm. the baby of eight. So yeah. I, I'm only, my husband's one of seven. So I kind of know what it's like to be from a big family. And sometimes the baby, the last one to come is kind of left to their own devices. W- was that the case for you? Not at all. I'll never forget. It was the first day of high school, my freshman year. My dad sat me down and he's like, I know all the tricks. He's like, (laughs) I know everything, you know, having been through it. And he said, you're going to be the perfect one. And he's like, we're going to work on you. So I felt that, um, you know, it was different because actually my oldest sibling is 20 years older. And so they kind of had kids in three phases. So Mm -hmm. he had learned a lot more from life in that time. And I was going to be his protege, I guess. Wow. Any pressure? (laughs) Sounds like there was a little pressure to be the perfect kid. Do you know what? I I knew he meant it in jest. And I just always felt extremely supported and pushed in a good way um, Mm -hmm. versus having like a a helicopter parent, like wanting the perfect kid. So it was all positive. I I really like the way you share your relationship with your dad um, with me. We had a wonderful conversation. And I think what a wonderful thing he did taking you to work with him and into business meetings to give you a real life experience of that. What do you remember? What was your fondest memory of doing that with him? Yeah, it's funny. My mom still says to this day, she's like, you're your father's daughter. Um, My parents owned a, a small building business in the Poconos and it wasn't because he couldn't get a babysitter. He wanted to take me along and have me just sit and watch and listen. So we'd go to everything from tax sales to community board meetings. And I would just have to sit there and just observe and listening and taking it all in is probably one of the best qualities that he handed down to me to just listen and um, Mm -hmm. learn instead of always just jumping in type of thing. Were you a questioner? Was that hard for you to kind of just sit there and be quiet? Um, no, my dad was a pretty strong personality. So when my dad said something, you, you kind of oh, did. He, was, he had the military background. He was army. So there was definitely a, a yes, sir attitude in our house. So, but it came with the trust that my father was asking me to do something for my growth, for my benefit. So there wasn't that much challenging um, because I trusted his authority and his direction. Mm-hmm. So having siblings that were also adults, you know, tell me, what did you learn from some of your older brothers and sisters? Yes, they really paved the way in a lot of ways for me. So um, my oldest siblings make sure they pass down the value of education. Um, Many of them went on to master's programs. So I watched them, um, you know, using education to better themselves and to further themselves in their career. And everything to then like the the love of travel. Um, 
I have had multiple siblings that were part of rotary programs and um, they always encouraged me to experience new cultures, different ways of thinking, languages. So there's definitely so much learnings that I have from my older siblings to be able to watch them throughout the years. And can you talk about what your aspirations were when you were young? You know, was there one particular profession you said, I want to be when I grow up? Actually, this just came up in conversation last night. We were talking about high school yearbooks and our superlatives. And um, in my yearbook, it actually said someday to work for National Geographic. And I oh, think wow. that was because of that, that love of travel and experiencing new cultures and meeting new people. So it hasn't come true yet, but there's still time. There's still time. Yeah. Well, you've had a very eclectic, I'll say, you know, background and career. Um, But I wanted you to talk about Odyssey of the Mind. I've heard of that program. I think that's very cool. Are you selected to go into that or do you volunteer and, and, you know, ask to be a part of it and tell us what it is? Yeah, obviously the mind, a lot of times you'll hear people refer to it as OM, and it's a program that's in elementary through high schools where essentially you get a a group of uh, kids together and they solve a challenge. So um, you actually present uh, in front of an audience a play, for example, that you might have written, and you'll have designed all your costumes Um, And then there's also something called spontaneous where you get to go in a room and the judges might give you uh, a question like name as many kings as possible, where you get like one point for a common answer or three points for creative answers. Or you might go into that room and it might be a hands on problem where they give you like a, a ping pong ball and a tennis ball and a string and you have to get the balls across the room as fast as possible working as a group. So that really just changed my life as a child. You had to try out for it um, in order to make that small crew, but it really made my creative juices flow in terms of, you know, concepting what a play could be, Uh, you know, getting in front of an audience and performing, you know, the different um, ways and pathways of thinking in order to give those creative answers and those spontaneous programs. So it really laid that creative and performance background for me. Did you find when you were working in groups like that, that you were naturally a leader? Were you someone that, you know, kind of stepped into that role of leading the group? Yes, it's it's in my DNA. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, but it was a, a really good learning experience. I remember one year because I wasn't chosen to be one of the performers. And that was really one of my passions. And it helped me then let other people lead and see how other people can shine, especially when it comes to like AB personalities, um, making sure that, you know, you can enjoy people and see the value in people, even though they might not have the same energy or approach as you, they can bring a totally different um, value to the situation. So that was a really great learning for me. And how about something I always like to, you know, ask about something that perhaps was a challenge for you growing up. When you think about those early years that are formative and you're kind of trying to figure out who you are, what is something that you struggled with that, Today, you continue to, or perhaps you've overcome and and you feel proud of? Sure. Um, It really, I think, had to do with health in our family. We had 
multiple family members get diagnosed with cancer when I was young. Um, my dad got diagnosed with prostate, my brother with testicular, my sister with breast, and my oh, other wow. sister with thyroid, all within a, a very short time frame. And at first, it kind of made me live life to the fullest, potentially in an extreme way. Like I always had to be doing something. I always had to be completing a project. I always had to be succeeding at something because I felt that, okay, our time can be limited in, in this world. And I mm -hmm. want to get as much, you know, juice out of the orange as possible. Mm -hmm. But as I've grown older, I realized that there's an importance to being idle as well. And it's important to recharge and to take that time to um, be calm and to breathe and using that space to really assess what the priorities are and, and how you want to spend that time accomplishing those things. So I think that was a really big lesson for me is that you always don't have to be on that hamster wheel and that energizer bunny. You're allowed to just take a step back and, and breathe and assess. Um, listen, we're going to go into our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the idea for your company, Banana Loca. Um, and, and also a little bit about what your future plans are for perhaps new inventions, new products. Stay with us and we'll be back with Renee Heath, entrepreneur and founder of Banana Loca. Now the women to watch. Finance Watch. Finance Watch. At Penn Community Bank, we're committed to giving you the tools and resources you need to succeed financially. Are you having trouble paying your credit card bill every month or feel overwhelmed by the weight of your loans? Debt happens. Not all debt is the result of frivolous spending, though. In order to take some important steps in life, you'll often find yourself having to borrow some amount of money, whether it's for a new home, car, or for college. Regardless of its purpose, it's important to know how to manage your debt so it doesn't become an issue. Debt consolidation is a strategy to help manage your debt by essentially combining it all, leaving you with one single payment and an overall lower interest rate. Worry less about missing a payment while replacing your multiple high interest debts with one single loan of a lower interest rate. While lowering your interest rate and number of monthly payments, you will likely see a boost in your credit score. This is because you'll be reducing your credit utilization or how much you're borrowing in comparison to how much is available to you. Take even more weight off your shoulders by setting up auto pay for the monthly balance due. Consolidating your debt is one way to make managing your finances easier and save you time, money, and stress. Take a look at your own situation. Be aware of the risk, like added costs and fees and tricky payment timelines, and make the right decision for you. To learn more, visit PennCommunityBank.com. Penn Community Bank, here we are and here we grow. On behalf of Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and our newest watch team contributor, here's some information you may need to know about women in science. To think of them apart, it was already kind of like, wow, okay, so this is crazy. This is that day we're waiting for. But we walked into the room and there were two cribs. Oh, God. We've never seen that before. Like, we just didn't realize that something like that would hit us so hard because you're just used to seeing one bed with them in it and it was very special it was one of the best days of our lives this is women to watch with sue rocco talk radio 1210 wpht 
Hi, and welcome back to the show. You're watching Women to Watch, and my name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined by Renee Heath. Uh, Renee is an inventor, an entrepreneur. Um, she's also a presentation coach at Accenture. And I thought before we talk about Banana Loca, I wanted to talk about your role at Accenture and how you landed that job. Sure. Um, it's funny because I've had almost a portfolio career within Accenture. I started back in 2015 where I got recruited because of my digital background. I had worked in digital agencies over in the UK as well as stateside here within um, CPG, within food and beverage. And because of that experience, I, I got tapped on the shoulder and they said, do you want to come over um, to help run what was then a new digital department that they created at Accenture? Did that for a couple of years. And the company is so great from a personal growth perspective, but also just the sheer size of Accenture that you can, you know, pivot and not have to leave the company. So I took a course in design thinking, and I totally drank the Kool-Aid. Design thinking basically is a different way of approaching problems where you co-create with people um, in order to come up with better solutions. So I did that for a few years where I would run workshops um, throughout North America to help solve problems um, for some of the largest companies in the world. And then again, um, our, our company, uh, encourages growth and I got tapped on the shoulder to run a presentation, uh, program, which is basically helping people feel more confident, um, talking in front of clients when they're pitching for work, which is always nerve wracking when I do interviews like this, Sue, or like the one I did on Shark Tank, because it's my job to coach people. So I better be good at talking <laughs> and presenting myself. <laughs> oh, that's um, pressure. So, yeah. Um, well, it's interesting to me that you've had an experience of working for a company the size of Accenture, and then also starting this small business with this invention of this kitchen tool. So you're really, um, you know, experiencing both sides of what a, a career or a profession can be. And uh, would you say that some people are made to work for companies this, like Accenture? Some are made for entrepreneurship and perhaps we can do both. Yeah, it's funny because growing up watching my parents own their own business, I never thought that I would work in the corporate world. I thought I would run my own business and be my own boss. But the beauty of Accenture really is that you get to meet people from all around the world and work with some of the smartest people on really cutting edge things, especially when it comes to technology and be exposed to different things. So I just love that they trust you're doing your job and let you work autonomously where that feels like, okay, I'm running my own program. So I am my own boss in some respects, even though I work for a large corporation. But there's been totally different learnings on the, the small you know, um, side of things when it comes to running your own little LLC that mm -hmm. has been totally different than what I learned in corporate America. So let's talk about where you were the moment the idea came. And I know there's a co-founder. Am I right? It's a gentleman. Mm -hmm. with, and were you together when the idea came about or was it yours alone? Sure. Um, my business partner's name, Bashara Jaudeh. And uh, for years, we had worked together where I hired his agency um, to help me run my digital department. So we had actually known each other for about eight years before we embarked on this adventure. And we had loved um, attending different 
trade shows and, and sharing what we learned when we travel, when we see different products from around the world. And we said, okay, we know when we know, like, it's kind of like when you put on that wedding dress, it's the one. And Bashar called me one day and said, I have our idea. This is it. So he's originally from Lebanon, where growing up, he had uh, his favorite snack, which was peanut butter and Nutella wrapped in a pita bread. And he was online one day just searching crazy Nutella things um, because he wanted a way to enjoy it without the carb of the, of the pita. And he came across, you know, a similar type of product that allowed you to put dulce de leche um, inside a banana, but nothing as viscous as Nutella or peanut butter. So he said, why don't we, why don't we try to do this? Why don't we try to invent it? And when he told me, it just was an absolute yes. A, bananas are in the shape of a smile. And B, I had my own problems with my nieces and nephews trying to cut up bananas and then put peanut butter on top. It was just really messy. It's like, it's it's us. It's like a slip inside. (laughs) And then they put up their hands and it gets all over. So I was like, okay, it's not the biggest problem in the world to try to solve, but it's (laughs) a snack time problem for moms. And it would just be something fun. And really what sold Bashar and I was the idea of getting kids involved in the kitchen with cooking, because a lot of times they're told, you know, stay out, it's hot on the stove or the knives are sharp and they're not really included in the kitchen. So we thought this was just a a fun invention to get them involved in snack time. So I, I know, I know because I watch Shark Tank religiously um, a lot about all the different steps um, I'm, I'm most interested in when you came up with the invention and, and I forget, do you have a patent on it? We do. We have a design okay. patent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to find where, who's going to make it for you and all of that fine and raise the money. That's mm-hmm. hard. Um, when you decided we're ready and, and we can take this to Shark Tank and get a deal. When did that happen? So we actually had a 3D printed prototype that we took to an open casting call at the Javits Center in New York for Shark Tank. And we used that really as our way to see, you know, is there interest in, and are we really onto something here before we embarked on a larger fundraising or proper manufacturing? And when out of all the hundreds, I think there was 500 plus um, inventors there. We had Business Insider come interview us and um, we got the follow-up of the thumbs up if they wanted us to come film in the show. We knew we were on to something. So that's when we went ahead and did the Kickstarter in order to raise funds and started um, looking at different production options here onshore, near shore, and then eventually what we did was which was further offshore in China. Is it is it does it keep you up at night or did when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you're investing that kind of time and creativity for design and and the name and, and the money that you could go real far and then it not be revenue generating eventually, you know, or were you just kind of, you know, believing in it? So I absolutely believed in it. I am the power of positive thought and the law of attraction. And all along, Bashar and I just said, if anything, this is an excuse for us to spend more time together as best friends, as well as business partners. So from the get-go, it was almost the thought of doing your MBA but it just being through a business process versus going to school for it. So for me, the time and the money was an absolute no brainer. It was a little harder for say like my husband um, to try to say, okay, you know, we only have so much extra cash, you know, what do we want to do with it? And is this the wisest investment? So it was bringing him along through the journey and showing how I wanted to personally grow But it was definitely a validation when we got the thumbs up from Shark Tank. He actually was the banana in um, our local costume (laughs) in the filming. So he's totally on board now and and super supportive. So when you get, you know, you got the Mark Cuban and Kevin O'Leary, right? They're on board. What what kind of engagement do you have with them now? You know, the follow-up. Are you talking to them on a regular basis? Is it their team? How does that work? Sure, we have monthly touch points. Um, It's a lot with their team in terms of back and forth via email and the phone calls, Um, but we do get to connect with them, which is great, both from just advice directly from them, then to connections that they have and different ideas of what we can do. So we have a regular good cadence um, where we check in and, and really partner together, which is great. And, and where do things stand today? So some of the viewers might not have heard of it. You know, where can they buy it? Um, is it is it being sold everywhere or just digitally? Is it in retail anywhere? So we've been concentrating on e-commerce mostly. We're on Amazon. That's our big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also selling direct-to-consumer on our website at bananaloca.com. And we hope in the future um, to be in a place where we can sell in the bricks and mortar stores, as well as potentially um, shopping at home like a QVC. So there's definitely room for expansion, but we wanted to make sure we hit the e-commerce market hard first and then looked at the ways to different um, avenues for growth. I was actually surprised. I thought for sure when you came in, because I watched the episode that Lori would be all over it. So you never know what's going to happen or where the interest is going to come from. When we did our research on the sharks, um, Lori was actually our number one. Um, I was excited for Barbara, too, but she actually wasn't wasn't there that day. Saying that, Lori did have really great advice to depart on us in terms of, okay, there being different color options or um, different uses for the products, like uh, extending it for use for like cupcakes and cake decoration yeah. and whatnot. So although yeah. we didn't get to partner, um, right. she really gave us some sound advice. 
So I want to know now, as first of all, you're a new mom and you work for a very large company and you're running this business. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm always proud to say I never say work-life balance because I don't believe in that. I think it's just life. And sometimes you're working and sometimes you're playing and sometimes you're creating. What is, can you describe a typical day and how you decide where you're going to put your energy so that you are, you know, taking care of yourself first? I, I love the quote, if you want something done, give it to a busy person um, mm -hmm. because people really have to prioritize. So pre-Dylan, I am an early bird. I, I wake up quite early. So I was able to just knock out an hour to a day before the typical workday starts. Um, so that's how I previously managed doing Banana Loca as well as my job at Accenture. And luckily, that's the benefit of having a business partner. So during this time, I've had to lean on Bashara for him to take over some more of those marketing and sales communications that I did previously. But that's just like I did for him in the past when he had busy parts of his life, I was able to step in. So that's been the joy of not doing it just by myself is having that partner there to be able to be your backup um, for when times are a bit crazy, like with a newborn. Right. And how about during, you know, uh, do you have a, a mantra that you live by, something that you look to or remind yourself on the days when nothing is going right? So I actually have uh, the initials of it tattooed on my foot. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so yes, I do so have a mantra, yeah. which is actually, I'm going to add on to it. And, and here's why. So it's left foot, right foot, breathe, repeat. Because no matter how hard of a day it is, all you need to do in life to keep moving is just simply one foot in front of the other. Saying that, um, with that growth that has come through taking that self-care and that time, I'm actually going to add on to it in a pause or a rest part of it too, yeah. to be like, okay, you always don't have to be moving forward and mm. putting one foot in front of the other. It's okay to then take a pause. But it, historically, it's been left foot, right foot, breathe, repeat. Yeah, I love that you could, because there. I, I don't know when it happened in our society that it was all about just doing all the time, doing, doing, doing. And that was kind of respected and, you know, it was impressive. And all of a sudden there's this big, and and, and it came before COVID, I would say, mm -hmm. the awakening to perhaps we need to be doing less, right? Just mm -hmm. taking time to reflect. Yep. And that's actually uh, one of my other ventures is called Made of Lionesses, yes, which is more my question. Yeah, talk my about creative that. outlet. And it's funny because um, I have people ask me, well, well, how are you monetizing that? Like, how are you making money? And it's like, I I'm not. That's that's not the reason that I do it. Right. So um, Made of Lionesses. I do different art installations and community events, especially for artists, um, in particular, mostly musicians, but also writers and creators in general. And a lot of the time, it is me putting in my own money and my own time in order to create those um, new experiences for people and to create those connections and to really build communities. So it's funny because um, you have people just always kind of pushing, like you have to get you know, uh, income out of it when really that's not why I do it.
it was great to have you on the show. I um, will be following you and, and sharing all the information on Banana Loca. And I wish you continued success moving forward. Sue, such a pleasure. Thank you. Stay with us. And up next, you'll hear from Sherry Marson. And she'll be with Meredith Klein, the founder and director of the Philadelphia Argentine Tango School. We'll be right back. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Today, we are going to enter the world of dance and with founder and director of Philadelphia Argentine Tango School, Meredith Klein. Welcome to the show, Meredith. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Sherry. My pleasure. So uh, Meredith, through her education, which led to many travels, um, was interested in dance and music. Um, She became particularly enamored with traditional tango dance, and uh, she decided to uh, do some travels. But first, if you could share with us a little bit about your education and where you all started. Sure. I grew up in Narberth, just outside of Philadelphia, and uh, lived there until I went to college in Western Mass at Amherst College, and I had grown up very much involved in music, playing classical piano and singing and such, and so I ended up being a music theory major at Amherst College. And in my last year there, um, a friend in the department started actually composing new tangos, and um, I said, well, that's interesting, and he said, I need someone to go with me to a tango class so I can find out what this is all about, because I can't write the music if I don't know more about the culture and uh, the different parts of this art form, including the dance. So we went to a tango class together and it hooked me. It hooked me in a way that, you know, we'll hear about how, how that's played out, but it's, it's ended up kind of um, taking over my life in the most beautiful way. Well, music is truly in your heart. Uh, we spoke of your travels after college. You did quite a bit with music and dance in mind, and you met some people who had a significant influence on your path of your career. Can you tell us a little bit about your travels and who you met along the way? Yeah, so um, when I started dancing tango, I was a social dancer. And um, at that time, there wasn't that much tango. There, there was tango, but there wasn't very much outside of Buenos Aires. So there weren't that many different tango communities, uh, different dancers. And so for people who danced at that time in the late 90s, early 2000s, we were extremely motivated by travel. We would go find each other. So it was nothing to drive four hours to go to a tango dance, dance for a couple hours, and then drive home for four hours. Like It was very extreme. Um, and so during the six years that I was mainly living in Western Mass and Boston um, and dancing socially, travel was a, a big part of my life just to have these dance experiences. But as time went on, I really wanted a, a, a deeper experience, a, a richer experience, and I started looking for what that would be and ended up moving to Buenos Aires, which is where Argentine tango is from. Um, that was the year 2005, and um, a, whole, a whole new world opened up to me uh, of the, the Buenos Aires tango community, which is unbelievably rich in terms of um, the variety of ways that people are dancing and exploring tango, eventually the variety of ways in which the music of tango is growing, um, the spaces where it's danced, the different cultures within the larger tango culture. Um, and, um, and most of these people also travel around the world. So it's a, it's a global community um, and it gives us a chance to feel connected, um, connected to the art form, to the community and to the sense that this is all going on in ways that we know and in ways that are bigger than we are, um, which is kind of a beautiful feeling. Oh, absolutely. 
In 2008, you returned to Philadelphia and you founded the Philadelphia Argentine Tango School in South, on South Street. And then in 2009, you moved to your current location on Frankfurt Avenue in Fishtown. Yeah. So, um, so I moved to Buenos Aires in 2005. And from that point until 2008, um, with the dance partner that I met and started working with in 2005, we were traveling around the world giving tango workshops and performances. And so we were fortunate to teach in, I don't know, more than 40 cities in North America and in Europe, Australia, South America. So we just, um, we had this, you know, remarkable uh, whirlwind experience. But it all happened really quickly. And I started having the desire to invest in a community, a certain community, um, instead of always being on the road and, and um, you know, meeting and, and teaching such a remarkable number of people. And so in 2008, uh, we moved to Philadelphia and a friend um, who had a sculpture studio uh, on South Street and had recently become enamored of tango said, hey, why don't you take my sculpture studio and make it into the South Street Tango Studio? Yeah. Um, and so we taught there and ran events. Um, and then he, his uh, rent was going to go way up and we were trying to figure out what was the next step for us in Philadelphia. And we had the chance to buy this building on Frankfurt Ave in Fishtown and did that in 2009, uh, this week, this week in 2009, so 13 years ago. And um, yeah, so for those of you who know what's been going on in Fishtown Kensington, it's just been a, a, a blossoming of um, small business and, um, and yeah, the, the restaurant scene here is remarkable. It's become, we have a wonderful Fishtown Kensington Business Improvement District that's been advocating for this area as a tourist destination. Uh, the NACDC, the, the New Kensington CDC, um, has worked a lot to develop this Frankfurt Ave as an arts corridor. So for many reasons, it really has been the perfect place for us. Yeah, uh, Fishtown is great. Uh, I've had a couple of people on the show that uh, I've interviewed, and they're from that same area. Uh, I mean, the music, the arts, the restaurant scene, everything. It's just, it's it's the place to be in Philadelphia if you want to have fun things to do. Um, I'm learning so much. The extent of my dancing capabilities started with standing on top of my dad's shoes, and he would take me for a spin around the dance floor. And then as I grew up, I started gyrating like Elaine on Seinfeld. So it's, it's not pretty. Um, I'll have to come down for some lessons. Uh, a few of my takes on tango are that tango is sophisticated, but it's not complicated. Um, it brings a sense of romance, maybe more to the observers. And I, I never would have guessed that it's considered a walk or commonly referred to as the caminata. Um, and the partners need to, to be totally focused on each other and their movements. And there's no room for distraction. I mean, when was the last time you were with somebody and had their total, total attention? I, I mean, that just doesn't happen anymore with phones and, and all of the things that are going on around us. It's just so it's we've been taken away from giving people our attention, which is if you learn how to do the tango and you learn how to give somebody your attention, it's a great characteristic to have in any setting. So Meredith, you mentioned the origins of tango is a combination of three art forms, music, dance, and poetry. Um, you want people to understand the origins of the dance and its music, and now you are bringing it back to what it was originally and introducing it to new people and to the people of Philadelphia and all cultures. You want to tell us a little bit more about how you're doing that? 
Well, I just love the, the aspects of tango that you just brought out and highlighted. Um, I'm hoping I can remember them because I'd love to talk about all of them. Um, <laughs> yes, I mean, it's remarkable that um, tango is a dance that's based on walking. It's based on forward side and back steps. And any of you out there watching, um, you know, we could spend 10 minutes together and we could be doing easily the, the basics of what tango is. <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> even on Zoom here, even, we could actually achieve that. Um, and yet, I've been dancing 24 years and I'm still deepening, it's still getting deeper and um, more subtle and more interesting. And that's, it's, I suppose many art forms are like that, but it is quite remarkable, especially because um, the bar to entering many forms of dance, especially as you get older, it feels very high. Or entering many kinds of art forms, it feels like impossible. You're like, oh, if I didn't start when I was five, maybe I can't do it now. Whether or not that's true, I feel like we, we tend to feel that way. Um, but with Tango, we truly have people who come right here to the studio um, every week. And, you know, everyone from kids and teenagers to people in their 80s and start and start dancing and start having this experience. And, you know, if they like it, get really involved and become very much a part of a community, a tango community, uh, and the community in this particular studio also. Um, and it's um, the, the way that it allows people to connect with each other, both in terms of social connection and community, and also in terms of, um, uh, like you said, focusing completely on another person. Um, is, is greatly, deeply needed um, in, in our world today. Um, for more information about Meredith and the Philadelphia Argentine Tango School, the programs available, and the Tango Festival, uh, go to philadelphiatangoschool.com. Uh, Sue will be right back after the break. Keep living your dreams, ladies. On behalf of Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and our newest watch team contributor, here's some information you may need to know about women in science. The really fun thing about it in this journey is that it really is a long and winding road. And sometimes what you think is going to be the answer turns out to be very different, but it leads you to something that is the answer. And so that's really the joy of science. Now, the women to watch, Military Watch. October is Depression and Mental Health Awareness Month. These topics often are not discussed in our personal or our work lives, and yet mental health disorders affect millions of American workers. This month, we are taking a moment to bring everyone's attention to these taboo topics, which will hopefully spark conversation and help those in need find the services and resources they deserve. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Now, just as physical fitness is a central part of military life, good mental health is as important for the well-being and for military and family readiness. Our military leaders stress that mental health challenges and issues shouldn't be ignored or hidden. There are many resources available to help anyone who is struggling with mental health challenges and help them to feel better. The military and the VA have numerous resources for both active duty service members as well as veterans. 
Our active duty service members, including our Guard and Reservists, have access to a site called Military OneSource, which is a free service provided by the Department of Defense to service members and their families to help with a broad range of concerns, including possible mental health problems. Service members can call and talk anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you know of a service member who could benefit from these resources, direct them to mentalhealth.gov or Military OneSource. Now, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs states that nothing is more important than supporting health and well-being of the nation's veterans and their families. A major part of that support is providing timely access to high-quality, evidence-based mental health care. The VA aims to address veterans' needs during the service members' reintegration into civilian life and beyond. The VA Mental Health Office connects veterans to extensive mental health services for both them and their families. All mental health care provided by the VA supports recovery. These programs aim to enable people with mental health problems to live meaningful lives in their communities and achieve their full potential. The VA has a very strong public awareness and outreach campaign. The goal of the campaign is to raise awareness on mental health symptoms, conditions, and treatment, and to encourage veterans to get the care and support they have earned through their service. Now, the many resources that I have mentioned can be found at mentalhealth.va.gov for veterans and mentalhealth.gov for our active duty service members, including our Guard and Reserve. Welcome back. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. I hope you enjoyed the show. I always want to give a big thank you to our producer, Tone, and also Katiri, who's producer in training. Thank you, as always, to our sponsors and our watch team. And, of course, Sherry Morrison for her lifestyle watch segment. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.